Why don't we just begin with a word of prayer? Lord, we just thank you so much for the privilege of being here. We thank you for air conditioning. We thank you that we can be indoors. And we're not outdoors right now trying to give this as maybe Ellen White might have done 150 years ago. Lord, I just ask that your words be my words and that, that the passion that I have for health evangelism can, can shine out and that we can gain uh, insight and we can gain a passion for what you consider so critical to the gospel message. And I thank you for this. And Lord, I ask that you just help me to be humble and take anything away from me. Just let your words be my words. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So intentional health evangelism, you know, the question is, what does that mean? What does that mean? Um, and we're going to talk about this in a bit. Um, you know, as an Adventist church, we have traditionally been very involved in health education, right? I mean, that's, our church is known for health education. And if you look at the pure word of health education, I tell my students, what is the end result of health education in the community? we have allowed sinners to live longer in their sin. <laughs> now, have we done them a service? Or have we, in fact, done them a disservice? And I maintain that if you only health educate, you do them a disservice. Because they stay in their misery longer. Intentional health evangelism is you intentionally intend when you talk to your neighbor about a health subject your intention is that they will be your neighbors in heaven you do that from the very beginning if they say what church are you from we have traditionally said well don't tell them what church you know tell them well we're one of the christian communities but you know here in the in the town you, you know you beat around the bush I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and I'm very proud to be a Seventh-day Adventist, and we have a heritage of health within the Seventh-day Adventist church, and I make no bones about it, because I'm intentional about what I plan to do, and when you give health subjects, you need to be intentional in what you do. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, because many of you may not know who I am, so I'm going to just give you a little bit. Um, who am I? Where am I? I'm going to just tell you, you know, I'm actually a very proud member of ASI. Um, I have, I'm an organizational member of ASI. I have been so for 14 years, and I love this organization. I'm president of Life and Health. Life and Health is a media arm of AMEN, which is Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. Um, they kind of split out of AMEN. We're a separate entity now. But I um, am president of that organization, kind of shepherd it along, and we're going to show you some of the products and materials that we are providing to deliver the health message so that you can do, be intentional about what you do. I'm a board member of Army Bible Camp. We just flew in from Colorado. We had an Army Bible Camp. And for you who don't know what Army Bible Camp is, I can tell you that we're coming to Florida this December. And if any of you, most people in this room are probably not Floridians. You know, we're from all over the place. So what? I have to come back to Florida again. Um, we've traditionally done, um, um, we've done one in Indiana, one in Texas. We just did one at Glacier View Ranch. Um, Elder Gary Thurber, who's the president of the Rocky Mountain Conference, came. And he said, you know, this room, this very room that we're in, was the room that was used for the Desmond Ford issue. This very room was here for the Creation Summit. He goes, I'm just very glad that Army Bible Camp is here. We can have an opportunity where the Holy Spirit can fill people. And I can tell you that lives were changed there. On Sabbath, we had 409 people in that facility, probably the largest group that camp has ever had. Um, to give you an idea, and we, do, we hate to judge um, what, what response comes from the people there. We often use mo money as a monetary gauge. But we told them, we collected an offering, and we said, we need $56,000 to get us to our next camp, which is in Florida. So from now till then, to pay off some of our expenses, we need $56,000. We collected 30 on Sabbath. We did a follow-up offering on Sunday, and this was before the most amazing message that Ivor Meyer gave for, for kind of conviction at the end. This was kind of just after the morning devotional. We collected $71,000 more. Praise God, it was $101,000. Be careful what you ask for. If we wanted to ask for 56, he would have probably said, okay, I'll give you 56 if that's all you want. Amen. We said, we need 56, but if you give us more, we'll expand. We collected $101,000. Praise God. 
I actually am on the board member of Eden Valley, a lifestyle center in Colorado. I teach in their school, which is called The Well. I actually also teach at New Start Global, which is the health evangelism school, which the Elder, Elder McIntosh here on the front row, he's going to tell you a little bit later on. Um, but I just want to tell you a little personal story that happened to me recently. About 13 months ago, we decided to move from Ukiah, California, which is over on the coast, to Weimar because I wanted to be closer to school because I really like teaching and I, I was being more involved in, at Weimar. So we just felt we would move our family, but we couldn't find a place to live on the, it's the Interstate 80 corridor. We found some better values over by Placerville, um, which is 40 minutes away. And we had seen this house and my wife said, I don't care what that co house costs. We cannot live in that house. Do you know what she said? Because it's too nice. She didn't say it's rat infested or vermin. She said it's too nice. She goes, what would we do when our friends, you know, how, you know, how, what are we going to say? Um, we looked with that house for four months and I kept, you know, the price kept coming down and finally we had, had to move through some other circumstances and so we ended up buying this house. 6,000 square feet built by a master craftsman, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you some numbers only because this is praise to God because of what happened. We paid $910,000 for this house. The insurance company appraised it because we had a replacement cost rider. The insurance company appraised it at $2.4 million. So after a year, we felt that we needed to move. We needed to move for a number of reasons. Probably primary, if you saw my children, my boys, they're very proud of this house. They tell their friends, you know, oh, you should come see our house, you know, and they kind of brag about it. And she was right, it's too nice. I told Tammy, my wife, I said, it would be better if we lived in a tent because our job as parents is the conversion of our children, not to put them in a nice bedroom. It would be better for us to be in a tent. So we decided to sell the house and really try to move over to Weimar. That realtor came and looked at it. They actually appraised it. And she said, I think you can sell it for 1.3 million. This is only one year, and in this economy, folks, but you have to find a buyer. She goes, it's going to take eight months, and there's only five people who are going to qualify within 10-mile radius that can buy this in the next year. I said, well, let's put it at 1.35 so that they can offer a little less, and maybe we'll get 1.3. So it went on the market on Friday night. There were no Sabbath showings, and they knew that. Sunday morning, we got a phone call at 7.45, and the realtor said, can we show the house at noon? We know we're supposed to give you a 24-hour notice. Can we show the house at noon? Now, you can see where this story's going, don't you? <laughs> I haven't given you enough suspense. They looked at the house at noon, or they were a little late. My wife came back at 2.30. They were still there looking at the house. At around 3.30, they gave us a full-price contract. It took four hours to sell the house. They said it was going to take eight months. People say, well, you should have sold it for more. And I said, no, no. God led in this. But it, we made a 48% profit in one year in this economy. We were then moving to Weimar. We were in contract until last Monday. This is current. We were in contract until last Monday, and the well report came through in this house, and it was less than two gallons a minute. That's a deal breaker. So we said, we can't buy the house. You know, I'm not going to build, drill a new well and wonder what the risk of that. If the well was bad before, it's going to be, you know, drilled 10 feet away. It's going to be bad there. There was a property we had been looking at, and I asked Tammy, I said, you know, she had said when we looked at that, I could live here. It's not, you know, it's not very bad, but it's 23 acres, has a creek, two ponds, a half miner's inch of flume water that's coming through Weimar. And uh, listen to this, it shares two boundaries with Weimar Institute. In addition, Erica Nedley, the wife of the CEO, had taken me over to this property two weeks ago to look at the property and said, we need a deeded road access from the owners of this property to get into the southern part of here for development. We put an offer in on the house for significantly less than they were offering, and I thought they'll counter you know, this. And I'm, I'm telling this to, to give you the conclusion of what I'm going to say. Um, we put in an offer, and two hours later, they didn't counter. They signed the offer. We're back in escrow. Neil Nedley called me an hour later, and he goes, I am a speakerphone. I have Erica here. Someone put an offer in on that house. Should we raise some money and buy that house, give them a full price contract so that we can buy it and get that road access, and then we'll just sell it again? <laughs> I should have strung him along. You know, I really should have. I should have, oh, what are we going to do? You know, and I said, I said, Neil, that was us. 
And Neil said, you should see Erica's face right now. She had this big, big smile. But I tell you that story because two weeks ago, and all of this is happening behind the scenes, two weeks ago, I was offered the position out of left field, and I took it, the offer about, you know, about 10 days ago as the chief operating officer at Weimar Institute. God needed me at Weimar. I don't know if he needed me, but that was in the plan. And he goes, I can sell your house. I can buy you a better house. I can take care of everything if you'll just trust in me. So that's a little bit about myself. Let's talk about intentional health evangelism. You know, I have gone to many medical meetings and, and they talk about, you know, things that they're associated with drug companies and manufacturers, and those are all disclaimers. And the things that I just told you about are claimers. I claim to be part of all of those ministries and happy to do so. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I tell my health students, you know, you're fishers of men. You're fishing. Now, but here's the catch, and it's an interesting catch. The fish that you're catching is a 30-pound fish. The line, if any of you are fishermen, you have five-pound test. That means if it exceeds five pounds of tension, there's a great risk that the line is going to snap. And the reason I say that is you're not catching a 30-pound fish with a cable. So if he just hooks, there's, you're going to get him into the boat. It just, uh, you know, going to haul him in. You have to be gentle. You have to be careful. You have to be skillful. You have to be trained. You have to be educated. You have to be mentored to know how to safely land that fish, right? And what we do in intentional health evangelism is we train people how to do that in a way that we carefully, slowly get them into the boat. And mind you, if you don't get them in the boat in three years, that's okay. You would like to have them closer to the boat, but if you don't get them into the boat, you might actually hand off. You may actually give the, the fishing pole to, to David here, and then he fishes a little while, and he trains to get them in. And it may take several people to get that fish into the boat. The boat being safety, salvation, security, eternity. And that's critical because so many times we're in such a rush. We're trying to get them in the boat any way we can. You know, we're after numbers. You know, we have, we have all these baptisms. And that isn't the way God works. He, his chronology is not our chronology. His numerology is not our numerology. And we have to have faith that what we've done. And I'm convinced, and I know, and Ellen White tells us that we will be in heaven, and people come to us, and we don't know who they are from Adam. Now, isn't that an interesting... Now, I really believe that when we are transformed at the, at the resurrection or the second coming, our minds are going to be made perfect. So the truth is we will remember them because now our memory is 100% perfect. But people will come and say, you probably don't know this, but it's because of you that I'm here. Wow. You know, I, I didn't realize. But it's, up, it's not us up to us to take count to do a ledger and to figure out who's supposed to be there and who's in the boat and who's not and how come the numbers is how come fish are jumping out of the boat and you know all that sort of thing our job is to allow the holy spirit to bring the fish and get them in the safety of the boat now ellen white talks about the right arm of the message what does the right arm of the message we all have also heard the entering wedge it's interesting that and, and, and I, I tell people in gospel evangelism, you know, they'll, you, you'll set up a, a prophecy seminar and they will, they will give the medical professional what's called, you've heard it, what are they called? A health nugget. Now, that bothers me big time. A health nugget. That means I get a little bit of the whole action. The truth is, if we can't get to people and clear their addictions, if we can't get them to their frontal lobe and clear their minds, the Holy Spirit cannot speak to their conscience. When she talks about the entering wedge, she doesn't say, oh, make sure you include a health message along with your evangelistic series. She says, no, maybe you might have to spend six months with this person before they can even come to an evangelistic series. That's totally different from the paradigm that our church has used. 
we have to clear their mind and clear their addictions so that the Holy Spirit can finally speak to their brain, their conscience, and, and not get befuddled. We've had people that have gone to depression recovery, and they're on medications when they go, and it takes us the entire period of time at Weimar to get them off their medications. So finally, on graduation day, finally their frontal lobe is clear enough that the Holy Spirit can speak to them. We find that we need to go back up here and detox them first, and then get them into the depression recovery. And then by day two or three, the Holy Spirit's speaking to them, so that when you get all the way down here to graduation, you have a significant event. So that's the right arm of the message. It, it, interesting that we know that the health message goes along with the gospel. And we've often thought that the gospel is a helper. It, it, it just helps in some manner. So, so evangelists will ask a health profession to help them a little bit. Therefore, the body which treats indifferently the right hand, refusing its aid, is able to accomplish something can accomplish nothing. The right arm of the message, the entering wedge of the message is critical to landing the fish in the boat. Now, now admit, not admittedly, for sure you need the evangelistic arm, you need Bible studies, but you need health before you can adequately address their issues and get their frontal lobe to be clear enough to make discerning clarity of choices. So in, we know that the health and gospel have to go, and we know that it's a helper, but we really know from the Ellen White statement that it's an essential component of evangelism. And if we leave it out, which happens, you have evangelistic series and there's no health at all. If we leave it out, what can we expect as the result? It's not zero, but Ellen White tells us when we add the health component, it's tenfold more effective. So if you, wanna, if you have a budget, and most evangelistic series have budgets, you know, how much do you want to spend to save two souls? Or if you spent the same amount of money or a little bit to include health, how about if you had 20? Do you want two or do you want 20? You know, that's the formula. I can see in the Lord's providences that the medical missionary work is to be a great entering wedge whereby the diseased soul may be reached. Do we have diseased souls? This was written 135 years ago. Do we have diseased souls? Is, is the state of the health in America better than it was 100 years ago? Satan has effectively done everything he can to obstruct the communication that is in the frontal lobe. And you can look at sugar addiction. You can look at soda addiction. You can look at obesity and how it affects um, your clarity of mind. You can look at heart disease and atherosclerotic disease and hypercholesterolemia and all of the, the lifestyle, Western lifestyle diseases. And we can see that all those diseases affect the ability of your frontal lobe to make cognitive clear, clear choices. This lifestyle is not just to make you live longer. It's not only made to help to, to live happier. It's made so that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. When people talk about, well, you know, that health message, you know, that's just legalism. Well, no, no. I would like to get up in the morning and have clarity of mind and have communication with God in my devotions, have him speak to me. And if I ate a piece of cheesecake at 10 o'clock the previous night, I had a terrible night of sleep. I did not get enough rest. My melatonin, my serotonin, my neurotransmitters are all depressed that are the healthy. And I wake up really grumpy. I feel like kicking the dog. And, and, and then I'm supposed to have my devotions? This is not legalism. This is pragmatism. So I can see in the Lord's providence that the medical missionary work is to be a great entering wedge whereby the diseased soul may be reached. What reaches? You, we reach with, with our right arm. It's the right arm of the message. We reach people. I'm going to tell you about a resource here, and I'm going to, I think they've hooked up this audio. We just printed a 
cookbook from Life and Health Network, and I have a copy of it here. It was actually printed last week in China. FedEx is wonderful. With a bit of money, you can get anything you want. We had 30 copies sent here. Don't try to buy one of these. These things are like gold. But we'll have them available probably on the 1st of September, and Amazing Facts is going to do our fulfillment for us. So you can go onto their bookstore, order it. They'll send them to you. But we produced a cookbook, and our goal is bait. Okay, when you're fishing, you know, people spend a lot of time, if you're fly fishing, they're very specific about the flies because of the way you tie the fly, the kind of fly, the time of the year. They learn all of this. It's bait. This is bait. We're trying to catch fish, and this is bait. This is not something that you're supposed to take home and put in your, your, your cupboard so that you have one more cookbook. And you can do that, but make sure you buy 10 more to give away to your friends and neighbors. But this is bait. But this is an interesting bait because we wanted to make it cutting edge. This is actually going to be a page out of our cookbook. And I'm going to show you. If you go to this cookbook, you'll notice there's actually about 60 pages of educational material with the eight natural laws and a lot of nutritional information in the first 50 or 60 pages. And then there's recipes. And in the recipe, every recipe has a QR code. And for those of you who are older than 40, Ask somebody less than 35 or so what a QR code is. It's just a little square thing that the, the, your scanner recognizes. And what it does is it just shrinks down the time it takes you to get to a website. That's all a QR code does. We have a QR code for every single recipe in this cookbook. And you can scan this QR code, and it will take you to a website. You hit play, and you watch that recipe being demonstrated. This is the first cookbook in the world that we're aware of that has this technology. There are people that are going to copy us, but remember who was first. <laughs> because we have a media arm, we were filming all of these recipes because last year we read in the New York Times that according to an NPR survey, Americans now believe that it's easier to do their taxes than it is to cook healthy food. Do your neighbors want to know how to cook healthy? Yes, they do. Why don't they? Because they say it's easier to do their taxes. They don't know how to cook healthy food. Do you have an opportunity to show them how to cook healthy food? Absolutely. Do we have an opportunity to send them to a website and say, look, you can actually see this made, and I'm going to show you how it's done. Here it is. Here's the clip. Here's the cookbook. Here's the QR code. Here's the smart device scanning the QR code, takes it to the website, hits play, and voila, if you have good bandwidth, here it is. The recipe is here. You'll notice there's no dialogue, and we'll talk about that. This shows how it's done. If you're wondering, those are my hands. <laughs> and this is actually our kitchen the kitchen that God provided that we just sold. I'm the bread maker of the family. It's, uh, it's a real joy to make bread. And for those of you men who've never done it, you definitely need to try it. We're going to put garlic on top of that bread. Thanks for the water. That wasn't eight or 10 minutes, by the way. It was about four and a half. Now, you don't have to brush it with olive oil. There are some people in the audience that might take exception with that, but it's a little bit of olive oil. But we're just showing you, your neighbors could watch this, and they could look at this, and they go, I could do that. I could do that. Isn't that awesome? Um, we have them on our website. Um, we actually have, we, we have all of these things are available on our website, and they're all free. It's open source. We don't charge you to get to it. The idea is we want you to use it. We're trying to produce it as the cheapest price we can. And so you can buy it on a DVD. You can actually ask us. In fact, we've, we've created our loops on, on Blu-ray, which is the highest resolution. We've delivered to doctor's offices, and they loop them in their waiting area. These are two to three five-minute clips, and they loop them in their waiting area. We can provide that for you. We would charge you for it, 
but we'd rather just say, go to the website, it's free, download them, print them yourself. You don't need me to do that. Our goal is to make them available so you can have bait, and the bait in this case is free. Now, when we started filming, we had audio. We had people talking, you know, just like a cooking show. We found out it took like five to seven minutes to produce them. And one of the big things that people have when they talk about cooking healthy food is it takes too long. And if they have to spend seven minutes watching the video, there went their whole prep time. Now they're out of time, you know, so let's throw something in the microwave and let's eat. So we saw this YouTube clip, which was really kind of cutting edge. It just shows the products. You notice there's no dialogue. Now, this was a God-sent thing because we just brought up our Spanish website. And there's a real demand for recipes in Spanish. How hard do you think it is to translate this? <laughs> there's no audio. I just have to change the words. I can use Google. I can do that myself using a computer program. It would translate everything. And in 10 minutes, I've got a Spanish recipe or I've got a Russian, or I've got a Chinese, or I've got any language you want, because there's no audio. God bless us with it. We were trying to shorten it up, but God was saying, I'm going to provide for you, because you're going to need to translate this, and this is going to make it easy. Amen. This is interesting. And so why aren't we all doing this? You guys need to listen. Fred Bischoff shared this with me. And I, the indifference which has existed among our ministers in regard to health reform and medical missionary work is surprising. Sorry, Don, I know you're a pastor. But he's not one of those. Some who do not profess to be Christians treat these matters with greater reverence than do some of our own people. Unless we arouse, they will go in advance of us. Is the world, oops, I'm sorry, I just, I will fix that. Is the world going ahead of us? Yes. Sorry, the reference, um, you, Testimonies to Ministry, page 417, paragraph 1. Are there people in the world that are going in advance of the Adventist health message? Yes. Absolutely. Are they doing it as well as we could? Absolutely not. Why not? Because they're missing some important components. They're missing the spiritual component, and they're missing the intention that we have of having them as our neighbors in heaven. That's not their intention. It is our intention, and that's why we can trump them even now. But we have to do it intentionally. We have to do it with great tools. We have to use the techniques and tools that they're employing. They have great graphics, they have great cookbooks, they have great videos, they have great websites. We have to do the same thing. We cannot be playing second fiddle. We have to be the head and not the tail. And we can be because we've been given information. The great news is that we can look at a study and say, does this make sense? Should, should, we, should we do this study? The reason that John Harvey Kellogg was so successful is he would look, and he was 20 years ahead of anybody in the world. He would look at the information, and then he would say, well, let's see what Ellen White says on that subject. And he would read, and he'd say, okay, you know, that's what she says. That's, that must be right, so I'm going to go with that one. So he didn't have to sit around and weigh decisions. We have the same opportunity. We can read in her writings, and then we can say, let's go, oh, I know that's the right way. Let's just prove it. Let's create a, a scientific article or something, a study, and I know it's going to be right because she's already told us it's right. We'll be right how much of the time? 100% of the time. So we talked about what is the outcome of health education. You, health, you, you tell your neighbor they need to stop smoking, but you don't tell them anything more. You just help them stop smoking. You just kept them from dying from cancer and stroke and peripheral vascular disease and maybe cardiovascular disease. And you might have, depending on his age, given him five to six years of life. But then you stopped. Why'd you stop? You stopped because you were very comfortable telling him to stop smoking because the world supports that. But you thought he might have been a little embarrassed or you might have been embarrassed to tell him that God is a savior that can not only give him seven years of life, but can give him eternity. Have you ever tried to take eternity and subtract seven years from it? You, the mathematicians in here, what's the result? The result's the same. It's still eternity. You can't take away from eternity. You can't add to it either. Eternity is a number that you can't add or subtract from. So adding seven years to his life didn't matter a bit. 
in relation to eternity. You can't even subtract it. It's mathematically impossible. So the seven years doesn't matter in God's chronology. What matters is you've given him eternity, and you've intentionally done that through health evangelism. We learned what the outcome of health evangelism is. You get to have dinner with them around the tree of life. Now, isn't that amazing? And if you intend to do that when you first talk to your neighbor about stopping smoking, you're going to go a long ways in achieving your goal. If you don't intend to do it in the beginning, you're not going to get there. If you don't have a plan, you're going to reach it, which is nowhere. So what can you do? What if you're in a small church and you want to do health evangelism and you don't have a health professional? And this has happened before and I've seen this. So you decide, well, we need to have these health outreach meetings. So, you know, Dr. Jones, he's a pretty good doctor. You know, he kind of believes in lifestyle. And let's have him come in and let's have him be the professional. Let's let him lead this health program. Have you ever heard people doing that? It happens. Don't do it, folks. Don't even try. Don't go there. Because what's your intention? What's his intention? Let's find out what his intentions is, are. You know, what is your intention? Well, I want my patients to be healthier. Well, fine. You'll just get them to live longer in their sin. I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in that. That's not my intention. My intention is to get them healthier, to clear up their frontal lobe, and show them Jesus. Amen. So what can you do? You're in a small church. How about you send one to Eden Valley or to Wildwood or Uchi Pines or send them to Weimar. You know, we'll train them on our health program. We'll give them a four-month program. When they come back, they're ready to roar. They're intentional about what they're going to do. And you pay for their education. You have them come back, and they're now your health director, ministries director in your church. And I can tell you, you will transform lives. You will get results. You do not have to have a physician or even a nurse. You can hire a health professional who's a medical missionary, and they are going to do a better job for you than somebody who is not intentional but just happens to have a degree. So you learn how to fish. How? Where are you going to do it? One of the things you can do is you personally need to get informed. You need to personally be healthy. I can tell you that the testimony of a healthy person will outweigh the advice of the best physician in the world. Because it's their testimony. They'll say, I did this and I lost 120 pounds. And look at me now. And, and not only that, but you know, my risk of all these diseases. I used to have you know, insulin-dependent diabetes. And I'm off my insulin now. My blood sugars are normal. I no, don't have any hypertension anymore. You know, my thyroid just went away. I guess it was an autoimmune disorder that had to do with inflammation. And because of this lifestyle, you know, my arthritis is gone. I'm feeling fine. You know, in fact, I feel better than I was when I was 13, 14 years old and running around riding a bike around the neighborhood. Do you think that testimony would have any influence on your neighbors? A little bit? Oh, it would be huge. It would be huge. So you can personally go get informed. I, I told somebody earlier, and I'm going to tell you again. But they say, well, Weimar is expensive. You know, I don't know what Eden Valley is, but you know, I don't have five or $6,000 to go for 18 or 20 days. You know, what can I do? Um, Jim Brackett um, does a program. He, he actually does reversing diabetes for Weimar. At times, he's one of the most amazing lecturers. He used to be a physics instructor, so he's a teacher. He has a master's in, in health. Um, they ran a vegan um, uh, restaurant in Seattle for 10 years. His wife wrote several cookbooks. Seven Secrets is one of them. They just printed another 70,000 copies of that book. They printed 300,000 copies of that book. The story is when he went to, I think he went to Review and Herald, don't quote me, one of our publishing houses, and they said, we'd like you to print this book. And they go, look, we have vegetarian cookbooks out there on the loading dock. Just go get one of those. These things don't sell. And so he agreed to buy the first 5,000. They decided to do a run of 5,000, and he agreed to buy them all. And that's how they printed the first 5,000 copies of that book. They've now printed 300,000 of them. Jim and Neva Brackett have a program north of Spokane. It starts on noon Sunday, goes to about noon Friday. It's a live-in. She teaches you how to cook. She then feeds you the food she cooks. This is wonderful food. 
people do, it's amazing. I go up there sometimes as a physician and I have people on oral hypoglycemic agents to drop their blood sugar. And I've learned, having done this, on the first day I said, listen, just stop all those. You know, I'm not going to wait till day two or three. I don't want you to wake me up at three in the morning like last time because someone's having a hypoglycemic attack because their blood sugar is so low because they're getting healthy in 36 hours. You can go there for about $500 for five days. It's the cheapest program I know of in the US. Go there or go somewhere like that and get personally healthy. You will, at the end of that program, now admittedly a month later you will have forgotten, at the end of that program you will know more about lifestyle medicine than the average family physician in America. Honest. I went there as a physician, I was blown away. This is amazing. So if you don't have the money, consider that as a source. Um, you, it's Jim and Neva Brackett. You can just Google Jim, Jim and Neva Brackett and it, it'll come up. It's, a, it's not an easy website, so I can't tell you right away. I can find it for you, but you can just Google search it. But that's an option. You can get educated on how to, how to deliver Eight Weeks to Wellness, which is a program that is a very proactive program. It's put out by Don Hall. He's a health, um, he has a doctorate in public health from Loma Linda. He works out of the, the Portland Beaverton area of Oregon. He does a lot of health um, maintenance for large corporations. And they have a program that I really like. It's called Eight Weeks to Wellness. It's not perfect. Um, there are some issues that, you know, I can, I kind of, modify a bit, but it's, it's great because it's just, it's a plug and play. It's a, it, one person can run this program. It's a PowerPoint presentation, it has great current evidence, and it really is amazing. For example, in the first day of the Eight Weeks of Wellness, we talk about seven health choices that you can do that will increase your longevity. If your only goal is to live longer, these are some of the statistics. If you eat a level handful of nuts per day, you will reduce your risk for coronary heart disease by how much? By 50%. Now, why didn't you know that? When you said, oh wow, why didn't you know that? I can tell you why. Is it a drug? Is there any money in it? Is anybody promoting it? No. If you drink a glass of water, a 12 ounce glass of water, at night, you reduce your risk for having acute coronary syndrome that night by 50%. Did you know that? And why, some do, why didn't you know it? There's no money in it, water's free. Now why would it do that? It does it because of hemorrheology. If you were at Dr. DeRose's meeting this morning, it, it thins out your blood and platelet aggregation is one of the problems. In fact, that's why people put, you know, they say take a baby aspirin because they want to get those platelets not to aggregate so much. The effect of water exceeds the effect of baby, baby aspirin that night. Now you have to do it every night. It only works that night. Do you know that people who drink more than five glasses of water compared to less than two glasses of water, this is out of the Adventist Health Study 2, Jacqueline Chan, a PhD researcher at Loma Linda, they just looked at people who drank more than five glasses a day versus people who drank two less or less glasses of water a day. The people who drink five glasses or more, and that is still dehydrated, people who drink more than five glasses a day have a 50% reduction in coronary heart disease. This is all simple stuff. God didn't make it difficult. He didn't say you need to take Lipitor if you're going to live longer. He said you need to drink water. You need to exercise. You need to get plenty of rest. You need to trust in divine. You need to do the eight natural laws. And if you do those things, here's the amazing thing. If you did those things, and we'll talk about that. I'm getting ahead of myself. You can learn how to be a lifestyle coach. This is very very popular in today's health delivery is becoming a lifestyle coach. What happens is I come up to Elizabeth and Elizabeth comes to one of my programs and, and so I've been assigned to her as a coach and so I get to know her, I get to know a bit about her family and I'm going to say I'm going to help you and here's my, my phone number, in fact here's my cell phone number and I'm going to contact you if that's okay once a day just see how you're doing. You call me if you have any problem and we're going to develop a relationship, a friendship. Am I fishing? You better believe I'm fishing. Am I intentionally fishing? Now Elizabeth's going to come, what's going to happen is Elizabeth's going to start feeling better. She's going to start sleeping better and she's going to start dropping off some of her medication. She's going to shed a few pounds and she's going to start exercising and I'm going to become one of her best friends.
because I gave her something she tried to do her whole life and couldn't figure out, and through some simple things, some simple tools, we're achieving what she could never accomplish on her own. And she goes, I love you, you're like, you're like family. And I say, well, you know, one of the things we need to talk about is, is your relationship with God. Do you, do you have a relationship? Do you, do you, are you a church member? You know, I'm a Baptist. You know, were you ever Baptist? Yeah, I was baptized when I was a kid. And do you go to church? Well, I, I go to church now and then. Well, yeah, that's, that's great. You know, would you, you know, if you, we've shown studies. You're going to church now? No, I really don't. Well, I'll show you a study that says church attendance will give you six years more to your lifespan. Is that important to you? Would you like to see your grandchildren get married? So, she realizes now that I've shown her a scientific study that shows that if she would actually start going to church again, she could actually be healthier and she would live longer. And I show her the data. And she'll say, what, what church do you go to? And I go, well, you know, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. You know, would you? Well, I've heard about them a little bit. You know, what do they really believe? And so I start giving her a Bible study. And she'll go, you know, I've heard that you guys don't believe that you go to heaven. You know, and I heard something. Well, you know, would you like to study that? Could I, could I tell you about our, our basis for the state of the day? Yeah, I'd love to see what the Bible has to say about that. I had a Bible study. I did that because I started fishing. Because I became a lifestyle coach. Get involved. Yeah, was I getting involved in Elizabeth's life? You know, I'll probably not only get involved in her life, but I'll get to know some of her children and some of her neighbors. And she'll start fishing for some of her friends and neighbors. And we now have this big, huge network of people who are interested in getting to heaven, to having a relationship with Jesus. Now, this is something so very important. I don't want you to miss this. And my wife, she's sitting back there, she's, she's keeping me accountable. If you don't live what you're trying to tell them, don't tell them. Because that's fraudulent. If you try to tell them to do something and you're not doing it yourself, but you know it's the right thing, but you're not doing it yourself, don't tell them. Because what you do and how you live is going to be much more important than what you tell them. Because if you tell them something and they believe and they start doing it and they say you then see you not doing that, they go, was this all just a sham? Were you just trying to trick me? You have to live the lifestyle. You have to walk the walk and talk the talk. <clears throat> About a year ago in US News, U.S. News and World Report, there was an article entitled The 11 Things That You Can Do to increase your lifespan. I don't know, it's, it's in the small print there. 11 health habits that will help you live to 100. Would that seem to be important? One of those health habits, if you haven't heard, was live like a Seventh-day Adventist. And they referenced the Adventist health study, and they said if you live like a Seventh-day Adventist, you'll, you'll gain almost a decade of longevity. The truth is not a decade. It's about 7.9 years. Now, let me tell you something about that. Live like a Seventh-day Adventist. Now, that's living like an average Seventh-day Adventist. What percentage of Adventists are vegetarian? 50, less, a little less than 50%. How many are vegan? Way less than 10%. OK. How about if you live like a Seventh-day Adventist? It's supposed to live. <laughs> How long do you think they would live? Just to help me out. How long do you think they'd live? You could actually live to 120. And some would be living to 120. But we would commonly have a community where everybody lived 100 years of age, with few exceptions. You know, some congenital, you know, hereditary cancers, that sort of thing. But it would be common that the average, the average would be over 100. Now, let me ask you a question. Would US News and Report, World Report be interested in that story? Would everybody be beating a path to our doorsteps? Do you think? Would we have to be telling anybody this message? They would be coming to us. That's what was intended. That's what's God's intention when he gave us the health message. When he said you could be the head and not the tail, that was his intention. Are you happy with 7.9 years? No. I want eternal life. Because even living 50 more years doesn't matter in God's chronology. 
because 50, again, can't be subtracted from eternity. You can't do it. There's no mathematical way that you can do that. Eternity is just that. It's forever. So we've come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. How many in this room can opt out of this? So my point to you, and I might be preaching to the choir because you decided to come here and, and not to hear John Bradshaw or Doug Batchelor or Mike Hamblin or you know, Michael Hossel, which is where I would have been because I just love him. Instead, so maybe I need to go talk to them after I'm done with you guys. We've come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. We have not come to that time. And when we come to that time, we'll see a transformation within this church that the world has never, ever, ever seen. And every news agency in the world will be beating a pathway to your doorstep. Because they say, I don't know what you're doing. And, you know, we can kind of tell them, I don't know what you're doing, but I want you to tell us because we want to have the quality of life that you have and the longevity that you're achieving while living in L.A. or Orlando. You know, or, any, or San Francisco. Even living in the cities, which has its issues, maybe those people only live to be 102 because they have stress and other issues and pollution. So the results. What are the results? Restored lives. We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. I'm going to show you a video clip. Every member. Um, I'm going to show you a video clip. And I, I guess I'm a little embarrassed it happens to be me. But you know that's what our media team put together. Fortunately, I, I'm in an office where I have a bunch of media gurus, and I got this 19-year-old kid, Adam, who's just amazing. I said, Adam, I've got to give this talk at ASI, and can you put together a PowerPoint presentation for me? He goes, I'd love to. So, so they threw this together, and so if it looks good, don't thank me, because I didn't have anything to do with it. Um, but I'm going to just show you a clip that's the concluding clip in a series that we have on eight laws. And this is actually available on our website. There's five-minute segments on each of the eight natural remedies, and we went through the eight laws, and our goal was to have a 10-segment series, an introduction, a five-minute segment for each of the eight natural laws, and then a conclusion. We got to the conclusion. We go, well, we already told them we were going to tell them, and we just told them. The conclusion, we're just going to tell, you know, like, they're stupid. You know, we're going to tell them what we told them. So we actually looked at it, and the truth is, we've always heard that there are eight natural remedies, but Ellen White, there's good evidence that attitude is a natural remedy. And really, it should be, instead of new start, it should be a new start. And Donna Sawatsky, I don't know, I don't think she's in the audience, but she gave me that, that I, there are actually nine. So we said, rather than doing a conclusion, let's do one on attitude. And this is about a two and a half minute segment out of that concluding segment in this Eight Laws series. Listen to it and look at the graphics, kind of give it an idea. So would you be comfortable sharing that with your neighbor? This is actually the concluding of a 10 part series um, it's low impact, it's, it's peer reviewed, it, it's backed up by research, and it's pragmatic. And it's, it's, a, it's something that you can provide free to your neighbors. You can port them to our website. It's all available on the website. If you want to have it in a easy to deliver product, we have these available for $5 at our booth. Um, we have many more. It actually has the entire 10-part series and another hour of additional five-minute some cooking demos, another hour worth of, of product in here that have all been developed within the last 12 months. This is all very new, very current. How do you guys like the graphics? I mean, the, <laughs> the guy who does our stuff is God sent. I mean, I could tell you a story. He was uh, just really briefly, Sung Hoon Kang, he was, uh, he, he was trained at Heartland. Um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Heartland College. He went back to Korea to serve his time in the military. Korea does an interesting thing. If you don't return, they put a grandfather in prison and charge the family like $50,000. So everybody comes back and serves time in the military. <laughs> um, he went back and he said, I've been doing some studying and I realized that I can't really serve, um, I, I, can't, I can't do this training. He goes, I'll serve in the military, but as a non-combatant, I can't do, do this training. And, and 
prior to the Korean War, that was possible, but afterward, there were some changes within the church, and we actually lost that, uh, that opportunity. And they go, why don't you just go get training like the rest of your brothers do? You don't have to shoot anybody, but just go through the training. He goes, no, I can't do it. They said, well, you have two choices. How many choices in life do you have? You really only have two. You don't have seven, you have two. They said, you can serve in the military like your other Adventist brothers do, or you can go to prison. And we'll give you two weeks to decide. He said, I don't need two weeks. He goes, I know what my answer is right now. I can't go through the training. They put him in prison. He was there, instead of 18 months, he was there 15 months. He got sent out, got let loose. He has an amazing testimony, which I don't want to tell you too much because I'm trying to get him at ASI next year. Uh, this is an amazing testimony. But he said on Friday afternoon, he went to him and he goes, now I'm a Seventh-day Adventist and I can't work on Sabbath. You know, and they go, they laughed at him. They go, you're in prison. You know, you don't have any, you don't have any, you can't decide. You can't tell us what you're going to do. He said when he gave up, when he stopped looking at the consequences and he says, God, this is your problem. You have me here. You take care of it. I'm going to stop worrying about it. He said when I did that, he goes, every single Sabbath, God created a miracle, and for the entire time he was in prison, he never violated the Sabbath. He's our graphics director. So we were looking for a godly person because I don't know enough about media, and I know that Satan can insert stuff that I don't know anything about, and I want a godly person doing it, and that's who's doing our, our media. I'm going to let uh, Pastor Don McIntosh come up and talk a bit about what happens when this sort of ministry happens, that's on, Don, or at least it was. Um, you can maybe turn it on. See if it's on. If it's not, yeah, you've got it. He, I, Don's going to talk about what happens when this sort of intentional health evangelism occurs in a church. And we have an example. I think you're going to give the example of, of, uh, we, of Meadow Vista, aren't you? I'll let you talk. I want to take the first eight minutes thanking you for the amount of time you gave me. <laughs> you know, I watched this clip that says, if I'm thankful, I'll live longer. <laughs> so um, thank you very much. Um, Randy and I, or Dr. Bivens and I, had the privilege of working together in, in, a, in a health evangelism school over the last year. And before that time, I was working with I was working with Amazing Facts and uh, doing an evangelism school there called AFCO for Randy told me there were no strings attached <laughs> with this talk. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I was working with an evangelism school for five and a half years and, um, and I enjoyed that greatly. But what I recognized was that when we went door to door with people and we talked to people, uh, you look at the people you talk to and there's a pie and you want to talk to them just about prophecy. Now I happen to really like prophecy and I think it's the foundation of the health message as Daniel 1's a health prophecy. But as you go to that door, if you just come with your, your preset agenda, you really miss about 90% of the people going door to door. So we decided in this health evangelism school that we would still talk about prophecy and evangelism and whatnot, but only after we met the needs of the people at the house. And when we started to talk about the health needs, it was simply amazing what happened. And uh, we were very intentional about not just talking about their health needs, but leading them from those health needs to consider the God of Bible prophecy as well. And uh, so... We, we developed a four-month curriculum to do that. Uh, Dr. Bivens talks about eight weeks to wellness and gets the kids set up to do those. Uh, we talk about all the different Western diseases and the lifestyle treatment and whatnot, how to um, do what he's talking about on these clips actually in people's homes as health coaches. And um, to do that all from a spiritual perspective, if you were going to draw a diagram, you meet people's needs physically and then they begin to open up emotionally and when they open up emotionally then you can see what the thought processes were the mental thought processes that really led them to have physical problems and emotional problems and you deal with that in a spiritual way and that in a summary is what we do 
in our four-month uh, training program. And it's amazing because what it does, I thought Randy was going to show you a clip he loved to show me, of fish jumping in. Oh, okay, don't, I won't tell you about this clip. But what was amazing was people in both classes now, when you focus on their physical needs and their emotional needs and begin to get close to them, they'll open up their thoughts and they'll be open spiritually. And you know the amazing thing is? They say, and now I've had at least, let's see, nine people in the first class uh, joined the Adventist church. And in the second class, what's with a group of 20 students, and in the second class, we have 12 to 16 that are attending sporadically, coming along. Now, the interesting thing about all these people was, this is what they said. They didn't say, um, convince me to join your church. What they said was, we're planning on joining your church. Now we want to know what it believes. <laughs> now, how many think that's a little bit easier witnessing model? How many think that's a little simpler than, okay, let's take notes from whatever the Adventist celebrity is on how to talk someone into being an Adventist? It's amazing if you just live the Adventist lifestyle with people, they want to be Adventists. And then they ask you, how did you come up with this? And for me, I like to study with people that are saying, you know, what must I do to be saved? Instead of me saying, what hinders you from being baptized? Only used one time in the New Testament, 16 times, the people that were joining were saying, what must I do? I see what you've done for me. What can I do for you? So I want to show you this clip. And this clip shows the testimonies of some people. We used the CHIP program in our last cycle. I'm, I don't necessarily say you have to use the CHIP program when it references CHIP. You know, I'm not selling chip here, um, although I've done that about 16, 18 times as a pastor in a church, and I've seen that. Um, but uh, I want to show you what happened just this last few months with these folks. I want to just make a point. Did you hear what they were saying? They said, look, there's been miraculous things that have happened in my life. But what we did with this particular program, which is usually run in a much shorter amount of time, was we elongated those lectures over three months. We entered into the lives of the people and the local church did. I want to say something I think is very important. What really gets people better is the local church. A converted local church is what leads people to the kingdom of God. It's not a media department. It's not a celebrity. It's the local church. And if we're converted physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually ourselves, and we work together as a team, that's what brings people in. Those people on the screen never been to an Adventist church before. After two days, one of them said to me, all right, we're joining your church. <laughs> this man right here, the last one was speaking, agnostic atheist, he said to me, he goes, you're the only coherent, now this was new for me to hear, you're the only coherent group of people I've ever met and I want to help with the health programs. I'm not sure I want to join your church. I said, well, our church is all about health. <laughs> all, everything we do, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. He goes, okay, I want to be with the physical. I'm okay with the emotional a little bit. Mental, I'm not sure. Spiritual, definitely not. So look, it's coming along. So all I can say is, just like Randy already said, if we're converted and we work together as a team, I've seen how the life comes into the local church. And when that life comes into the church, that's all the difference. Amen. So I want to show you what it looks like 
when you go fishing now. Um, I've got a clip here and it shows you that you're now fishing and this is how I want all of you to fish. Here it is. <laughs> so what we want you to do is go and do likewise. Those are Asian carp in the Indiana River and they're an invasive species and when they hear the vibration of the motors it excites them and they start jumping all over the place and when a boat goes through there this is exactly what they do. But this is fishing. God has said this is what fishing's like. And the fish are going to come to you and they're going to jump into your boat. And they're going to go, I want to join your church. I'm in your boat. Take me to heaven. Amen. Thanks for all coming. We're going to have, we have a few minutes. If there are any questions about how this happens, don't go anywhere, Don. They might have questions specifically directed toward you. Um, if you have any questions on how to do this, the mechanism, um, we're open to any questions you might have, but you know, it's our experience that this should be easy. God has made it so simple. And part of what we do is providing you with um, media aids that will help that. But ultimately, like Don said, it requires the relationship with the local church. They have to have a boat to get into. This is a temporary boat. This isn't the ark. But you know what? You start doing this, you're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> So I don't know if all of you heard it, but the comment was that he just wanted to support when you start doing health um, ministry outreach, your church itself internally becomes healthier and happier and more productive. And that makes a better, bigger boat. It's a delivery system. Praise God. Amen. Um, let me just say that. The General Conference big initiative right now is two things, health evangelism and also big city evangelism. And I see that God is leading and he wants to bring people to the local churches in any city you live in, especially big cities. I have two flyers in the back, one about the health program and one about San Francisco. San Francisco at the last day of site regional chapter, I kind of did some vision casting, and someone really took that on, the new chapter president of the Pacific Union ASI. She went to two cities. She went to L.A., and she went to San Francisco, and she said, we want to provide free medical, dental, surgical services to your community, as well as health programs that, are, that come from a spiritual perspective. L.A. did not get back to her. But the mayor of San Francisco called her back, the mayor's office, and said, we're very interested. We have a backlog of 2,500 patients. Can you help us? They now are underwriting the malpractice for each of those physicians that are coming, it looks like. They're opening up their hospital to do surgery. They're opening up all the different services. And they're calling for medical professionals to come from around the country and at the same time, there's over 100 students now working in task force in that city, getting ready for an event in April of next year. Look, what, I'm, what I've seen is that the healing ministry of the church, and let me just say this, you don't have to be a surgeon or you don't have to be a medical professional to do medical missionary work. The basic bottom line is of medical missionary work as defined by Ellen White in the book Ministry of Healing is simple. Here it is. Do brain surgery with a team of 800 people. No, that's not it. Here is the definition. Find a need and meet it. So I want to encourage you that no matter who you are, you don't have to go to my school. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just find a need and begin meeting it, and you become a medical missionary. But there are ways you can increase your influence. Question back here. And I put them in the back. That if you're interested in the San Francisco event, and by the way, Ivor Myers, who he mentioned, is going to be doing the evangelistic campaign over a number of weekends, April 11 through May 1. And all along, 
in during the week there's going to be medical missionary week work that's done with amen and with health and with souls west a lot of asi entities working together question up here thank you how do you prepare someone who has gone through the training and then they come back to their church and the church may not be on board we see that happens a lot you mentioned a converted church let me give you two examples one is from the uh, Adventist Theological Cemetery <laughs> I mean seminary and the other is from the local church first of all let's start with the cemetery when I attended this seminary I wanted to do health evangelism out of the seminary I was called in before the Dean and asked about these different things and they said we don't want to have a food fight and we don't want to have egg on our face um, and I said I'm good with that anyway um, so they didn't support what I was doing and these were the people that were training ministers so what I did was I worked in a local emergency department at night and I went to the cemetery I mean the seminary by day so what I went I went back and I told all of my colleagues at the um, at the uh, seminary. <laughs> at the hospital I said look I've got some problems these people don't understand health could you help me I picked the most beautiful nurses I could find I brought them all back with me as from the land of Moab and we came back and I then said I would like this team to work with me in the health things that we're going to do for the seminary and see if this works when they saw all those lovely nurses there was a strange conversion that happened <laughs> and then they said you can run the expo for the seminary we found two of the professors that had significant heart disease interestingly enough the one that was the most hardened to our ideas had the worst hardening of the arteries and his life was actually I think spared as a result of the screening that happened in the seminary and then we started a 5k run that still works to this day it came from outsiders converting insiders secondly in the local church the local church church I was in there was a number of people that were committed but there were others who were resistant I worked with those who were committed and we again invited in people from the community when the people from the community began to share their testimonies of how their life had changed then the people in the church got on board so work with the people you have in the church and use the people outside the church to convert the people in the church Mercy. We are out of time. If you have any other questions, you're welcome to come up. But uh, we'd like to release you and make sure you get some exercise, plenty of water. Make sure you get plenty of rest tonight. Have a good life. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.